hear God's word. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. The same way let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Word of God, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Can you So in, um, I think it was in 2007, there was a, a movie that was released and had Jack Nicholas and Morgan Freeman in it. Nickel what? Nicholson. Oh, Nicholas is the golfer, right? Okay. I always get those two confused. So anyway, Jack and Morgan, right? And the movie was called The Bucket List. Did anybody see that? Okay, so if you didn't, the, the premise of the movie is that there's two men, um, they're terminally ill, and um, they create a list of the things that they want to do in life before they die. Okay? Um, and I got thinking about that because uh, most of us already know what a, what a bucket list is. Um, we've heard that term before and we're kind of familiar with it anyway. And I'm all about making lists. Okay, I, I am a list maker. I have lists for everything. I think it's a good thing. In fact, I, I think it's kind of a good thing to make a list of things that you want to do in life. Make a list of some things that you want to experience. Like, um, I want to eat a Dodger dog at Dodger Stadium. That is one thing that's on my bucket list. Okay? I kind of want to take a cruise. Now that Heather has been talking about it for the last two decades or so. Um, I would love to tour Israel. That's something I would love to do. Um, I would love to be ordained as an elder in the United Methodist Church. Those are some things that could be on my bucket list. But here's the thing, if, if my time on this earth ends before I get to do those things, I'm not gonna look back on my life with regret because I didn't get to do them. What we've been doing in, in three week series here is called The Good Life. And your bulletin, on the back of your bulletin is your GPS, your Grow, Pray, Study. And it's gonna guide you in and hopefully some of your scripture reading and, and thinking about this this week, because the question we've been asking is, what is the good life? What is it that, that you need to experience in your life to be able to say that, that I've lived a good life? Or what is it that you need to, to be able to do or achieve or have in your life to be able to say that, that this is the good life and I'm living the good life? See, we began it last week looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, called the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus was pronouncing blessings on people who probably didn't feel like they were very blessed. People who were mourning, people who were hurting, people who felt empty, people who felt hungry, people who felt at a very low ladder in their economic structure and even overlooked by their society, yet Jesus pronounced a blessing on them, and by extension, Jesus pronounced a blessing upon us as well. And it was a reversal. Even the people who didn't feel like they were blessed, Jesus said, you are blessed. 
That's where we began last week with the idea that you're, you're not blessed because you feel like it. You're not even blessed because anything that you do. You're blessed because Jesus said you are blessed. And then today we're going to come in because we're blessed that Jesus says you are salt and you are light. So we're going to look at both of those. And then because you're blessed and because you're salt and light, then next week we're going to look at some passages of specifically how Jesus says this is how you should live your life then if you're salt and you're light and you're blessed and this will lead to a good life. Today, I want to work through what it is that Jesus talked about. Just a few verses. First off, Jesus said you... Well, hang on, let me stop right there for a second. Sometimes we get further into it before we stop, but it's important to stop on this one. Because Jesus has a crowd around him, right? Remember this, it's the Sermon on the Mount is where we are. There's a crowd of people around Jesus. And Jesus says you. It's an important word. In our English language... You can mean all sorts of things. You could mean just you, Kevin. You could mean the, just this side of the church. You could be more plural and mean like all, all the church together, right? You can be singular or plural in our language. Now, in other languages, they have different words for you, right? French is one of those. Tu in French means just one person. Vous in French means more than one person. Greek is the same way. So when Jesus uses the word you, he's not just talking to one specific person. He is talking to everybody that's gathered there because he just pronounced blessings on every single one of them. He said, blessed are you. Now he's going to say you as, can we make it easier with our southern vernacular? All y'all. Okay, that's what Jesus said. This was the, the Telford translation. Jesus says, all y'all are the salts of the earth. Now, we're modern language is a little different. Um, for us to be salty is not necessarily a compliment. Okay, it's not necessarily a good thing. If, if you say that someone is being kind of salty, you're saying that they're kind of, um, you know, um, what what is salty? How would you define salty? Sarcastic. They're being a little sarcastic. Or, a little hateful, maybe, just kind of low-key, not, not over-the-top just enough, you know? So all those are examples of, of being salty. Maybe you, maybe today you felt a little salty, right? Maybe today you know somebody who's being a little salty. All eyes on me right now, because that's when I know you want to look. Like, right? So we don't do that. When Jesus is time, though, when Jesus said, you're salt of the earth, for us old folks in here, we get that, right? The salt of the earth means that it's pure, means that it's good. I want you to try to picture in your mind who it is that, that you think of when you hear the term, you're the salt of the earth. Anybody picture yourself? <coughs> well, it's okay, because we're going to work into that, because apparently for Jesus, you're who he's talking about, right? All y'all, Jesus says, are the salt of the earth. So what's so great about salt? Well, a few things. Number one, salt in Jesus' time was very valuable. Salt, in its, in its essence, is necessary for life. But in Jesus' day, there was a good monetary association with salt as well. Salt, for us, is, is very easy to come by. In Jesus' time, salt cost a good amount of money. In fact, the word salt and the word salary come from the same root word. A word salary, a salary is, 
is the, the wages or the pay that you get for a job that you worked, right? So some Roman soldiers would even be paid their weekly or monthly wages in salt, which is where the term, you know, if someone's not doing a good job and they're not living up to what they should be doing, you'd say they're not worth their weight in salt. Okay. So salt, first off, is valuable. So Jesus says, you, all y'all, are salts. You're valuable. Another thing about salt, one of the earliest uses for salt was it was used as a preservative. Um, did, did any of, of y'all have a salt house growing up or are familiar with salt houses? Okay. Uh, I actually read a little his, history on this this past week, and some of the earliest salt houses in this country um, were built by George Washington, and they were built to store the huge amounts of salt that were being imported from England and from the Caribbean, so they were stored in these houses, but the, it wasn't just salt that they found that they kept in them, they actually would keep their meats and their fish in these salt houses as well, because salt is a preservative, it keeps other things from decaying. You, all y'all, are salt. You're meant to be a preservative. But salt, perhaps one of the better known aspects of salt for us, is that it's a seasoning agent, right? When we think of salt, we think of what it is that we're going to get a seasoned food with. Um, here today, I've just got some, some common iodized salt. And, and what we're saying from this is, man, salt, salt is amazing, right? You would, right? Sometimes salt doesn't get its props because we don't look at salt and be like, salt is so cool. See, that's kind of the point of salt. Salt's not meant to be salt on its own. Salt is meant to be salt to enhance the flavor of what it's around. You don't, you don't even recognize salt when salt is at its salty best. You recognize it when it's not there. And you taste something and you're like, wow, there's, there's something missing. It needs salt. Or the flip side of that, perhaps we notice if something is too salty, right? That's when it's it's, it's overly obvious that, that salt is an issue. Jesus said that you are valuable, your salt. Jesus said that you are meant to be a, a preservative for an antiseptic for life, for the decay around you. You're meant to help preserve things from decaying. Jesus said you are a seasoning agent. You are meant to add a beautiful flavor to the life around you and to who and what you come into contact with. Interestingly enough, sometimes we can be more salty than salt of the earth, right? I want to read you a statement by um, Emperor Julian. Now, Julian was a Roman emperor a few decades after Constantine. So he wrote this in the year 360 looking at Christians in the Roman Empire. And Julian said this, Have you looked at these Christians closely? Hollow-eyed, pale-cheeked, black-breasted bunch of them. They just brood their lives away. They are unspurred by any ambition. The sun shines for them, and they don't even see it. The earth offers its fruit to them, and they don't even want it. All they desire is to renounce 
and to suffer so that hopefully they may die. Welcome to the good life. Even better, and more recently, Robert Louis Stevenson, one of my favorite poets, wrote this in his journal. I have been to church today, and I'm not even depressed. <laughs> I want to say this morning, I think when we leave church, we should not be depressed. When we leave this gathered community of believers, we should not be depressed. Because our time coming together, our worship time when we are together, should be a life-giving, joy-bringing, chain-breaking, sin-renouncing, Jesus-saving, uplifting the name of God, the name of name that is above all names, to bring Him glory together. Are you with me on that? When we leave here, give God some praise today. You saw on that screen, He said, you're going to have so many breaths you get to take today. And I actually read a statement that said you're going to have 20 to 30,000 breaths in the course of an average day. This week I was with someone as they took their very last one. What I want to remind us is that every single one you got is a gift. Amen. If you've got 20,000 breaths today, are you going to use some of those breaths to bring Jesus some glory? Are you going to bring use some of those breaths to uplift the name of Jesus? Are you going to be, use some of those breaths to offer some seasoning and some salt to someone who needs to know it? Are you going to use some of those breaths to be the light of the world to somebody who is in darkness? Because that is your opportunity. That is your decision. What are you going to do with the breaths that you've got to breathe today? Because Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is flavor to life that we can only taste it by eating it through our faith. And we are the ones that are called to offer flavor to the world around us because of who is in us. The first church I pastored at communion, we used the wafers. And um, it was a smaller membership church. And uh, wafers, anybody have used the wafers for communion? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, when we use the wafers, you can only get them from Cokesbury in a box of 500. Well, <laughs> you average 20 on a Sunday morning, you're having communion once a month. It takes a minute to go through 500. And we kept them downstairs in the kitchen, right? So maybe you're familiar. Sometimes our older buildings downstairs in what initially was a basement can get some moisture in there. It's, it's just this. And in one of my first Sundays, I, I was offering communion. And, and out of the mouth of babes, right? I'm so thankful for this because it changed so much for me and, and, how, and how I saw communion and realized it. Then I held up this wife. He's not here today, so I'll say it. I said, Jackson, it's the body of Christ broken for you because Jesus loves you. He took that wafer. I knew it was stale. Everybody knew it was stale, right? But nobody else was going to say anything about it, right? Except for like a two-year-old who looked at his mom and said, hmm, Jesus doesn't taste too good. <laughs> how many times, how many times do people look at our lives because of the lack of salt and the lack of light and say, if that's Jesus, he doesn't taste too good, right? We have the joy to be able to share with the world. And as a reminder, if you try to keep that joy so stuff, 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 down, 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 down in your heart, that it never impacts your face, 
if it never impacts your words, if it never impacts your actions, then we've hid that joy. We need to bring and flush that joy on up to the top of it, okay, so that it's coming out. Because we got some good news to share. Man. Because Jesus said you are the, the salt of the earth. But, Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness. It's interesting. Salt like this um, will last. It keeps its saltiness for about 7 to 12 years is what I read. That's a long time. Um, which means if you go home and you check your pantry, if you bought your salt when Nirvana just released their first single, it may be time to spend a dollar and buy a new one. I'm just saying that. But the reason why it lasts 7 to 12 years is because of the preservatives and the additives that they add to it. Pure salt. Salt that Jesus was talking about. Pure salt never goes bad. Pure salt never can lose its saltiness because salt is a rock. Okay? So the pure salt can never lose saltiness. But Jesus says... If the salt does lose saltiness, I wonder, how could pure salt, y'all salt, ever lose its saltiness? One way is if salt encountered moisture. Moisture can actually get in and ruin salt. Another way is even if you take something that looks like salt, like sugar, Looks like it. But if you add sugar to your salt, you don't have salt anymore. Sometimes it's when other things are, are so overwhelming to the salt, the salt loses its saltiness. Jesus said, be in the world, but you are not of the world. Jesus said, be salt but don't lose your saltiness, right? You are called to bring a beautiful flavor to the world around you, not to be overcome by situations and circumstances in the world around you because you are the salt of the earth. Jesus also said, you are the light of the world. I imagine most of the people, as they heard Jesus say that, might have thought of a terracotta lamp. A terracotta lamp is a is a lamp, almost like a little boat. Um, and uh, it had a uh, oil that was down in it and then a wick that just floated. And to get the most bang for your buck with a terracotta lamp, you could set it on top of a lampstand. The higher up the light goes, the further <laughs> out it illuminates, right? So the higher you got your little lamp, the further out that it would shine. And here's the thing. The primary function of salt is to enhance something else. The primary function of light is to illuminate something else. Nobody today probably turned on the lights in here and was just like, whoa, right? Look at the light. Light is so wonderful. I love lights. We turned on the light and the light enabled us to see other things. Salt at its salty best is there to enhance the flavor of what's around it. Light at its lit up best is there to illuminate what it is that's around it. You are light because you are meant to shine in the darkness. 
to illuminate so that others can see your good deeds and glorify your God, the Father in heaven. They are meant to see what a good life is supposed to look like with Jesus. So that will bring glory to God, the Father in heaven. Max Licato tells the story about a man whose power went out um, in his house. And as his power went out, his wife had told him to go into their storage closet and get some <coughs> candles that she had bought. And uh, he got in and heads in. The power had been out for like hours. So he goes in the storage closet, you know, and he bumps his knee on a table and he stuffs his toe on a chair. But he finally finds four old candles. And they were all used from varying degrees of use over the years or, or whatever. So he was looking, thinking about these candles. So he finally found a light, and he lit one, and they had a little bit of light in the room. He was like, ah, oh, for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on our table so that we can see to eat. And then he had enough light where he could light another one. And he was like, I'm going to put you in my bedroom so that we can see to get around the bedroom once we get in there. And then he light, lit another one, and he was like, sometimes your light doesn't work, but that's okay. Sometimes you got to keep trying. Or sometimes, sometimes, if you've got a light lit, that little light of mine is enough to light another one, right? So then he lit another candle, and he told this one, I am going to put you in the bathroom. I mean, somebody, somebody's got to do it in the bathroom, right? Anyway, and then he took the biggest candle, and he lit the biggest candle, and he said, I am going to take you into the living room, and I'm going to lift you up and set you up on the mantle so that everybody can see. It sounds kind of strange when you're talking about talking the candles in the, in the storage closet, I know, but I mean, what else are you going to do, right, when you're, when you're in the dark room by yourself? So he started to head out with his first candle. Hey, 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 hey. Hold it right there. Who said that? I did. Who, who are you? Who are you? What are you? I'm a candle. And lifted up the candle, and right in the wax, he saw a little bitty candle face that was talking to him. Don't take me out of here. What? I said, don't take me out of this room. What do you mean? I, I have to take you out. It's dark out there. After all, you're a candle. Your job is to, to light the darkness, and it's very, very dark out of this room. <laughs> But you can't take me out. I'm not ready. I need more preparation. More preparation? Yeah, I've decided I need to research this job of light giving so I won't go out and make a bunch of mistakes. You'd be surprised how distorted the glow of an untrained candle can be. I've been reading a great candle help book on the subject. It's called Waxing Eloquently. <laughs> Alright then, you're not the only candle in the closet. I'll just take one of the other candles out with me. We aren't going either. What do you mean you're not going? Your candles. Your job is to light the dark places. Well, that may be what you think. You may think we have to go, but I'm busy. I'm meditating on the importance of life. It's really enlightening. Look, 
I really appreciate what y'all are trying to do here. I'm all for meditation time, Mr. Candle. And everyone needs good study and research, Big Candle. But you guys have been in here for months. Haven't you had time to get your wicks on straight yet? And, and you other two, are y'all going to stay in here forever? I'm waiting to get my life together. I'm not stable enough. I lose my temper too easily. I guess you could say I'm a hothead. I'd like to help, but lighting the darkness is not my gift. Not your gift? You're a candle! Well, actually I might look like a candle, but I'm a singer. I sing to other candles to encourage them to burn more brightly. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm all about singing. Music is good. We, we could use some music in the darkness, but... Ultimately, we need light in it. I'm gonna let it shine. Man blew out all the candles and he staggered back through the dark out of his storage closet and he bumped right into his wife. And she said, Where are the candles? And he said, They didn't work. <laughs> and he asked her, Where did you get those candles anyway? And she said, I bought them down the road. There was a little church that had closed down and went out of business. They didn't have enough people. So I bought those candles there. Our Christian faith is meant to be seen. But our Christian faith is meant to be seen by bringing a beautiful flavor to the world around us. By offering hope and the light of Christ to a dark world. I also want to point out real quickly, Jesus did not say, you are the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world. The word that Jesus used was cosmos, and it meant all of creation, all of the universes and the galaxies. You are supposed to be the light of the world because the light of the world is burning inside of you. And we are called to do that for all the world. And the only way we can be the salt of the earth for the world is to be out in the world. The only way we can light up the world is to go into the world because after all, this is the world that Jesus died. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, I thank you that you are our light. I thank you that you are um, our flavoring for life. And God, this morning, for each of us that are here today, maybe our light is not burning. Maybe it's just been under a bushel for so long that it's just, uh, we forgot it's even there. Or maybe, God, our salt is just not salty or at least not salty in a good way. And, and, and maybe that's because, God, we've just been mixed and contaminated with so many other things. God, today I would say help our light shine bright once again. Help our saltiness be salty once again. And God, if there's someone here today who says, I've never even been lit up for Jesus yet. I don't even know what this taste and see that the Lord is going to taste like because I've never taken a bite. Today, God, help this be the day that we take a bite of faith into the love and the life that you have offered us because the good life is found only in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and sing. And if any of that hits you today, I want to pray with you about it. So when we leave here, we can be lit up for Jesus. We can be the salt of the earth for a world that needs to be flavored with some